But everybody that gets married, if they have a choice, they're going to choose that. <laughs> they want their marriage to be that. And uh, hopefully that is the case. Sometimes it's not, but what a beautiful picture of what love is. Um, today is not about marriage per se. We're finishing our series on men, uh, and it's about husbands specifically, but you can't talk about husbands and not talk about marriage a little bit, so they kind of intertwine, of course. But um, just real quick before we really dive in, I just want to say as a, as a caveat, I guess, um, we're going to talk about the importance of marriage today, but understand that marriage is not something that has to be done. Uh, it's not something that um, you're lesser than as a Christian if you, if you aren't married or if you don't get married. Um, matter of fact, Scripture says that there are certain advantages to not being married. So some believers are called, I think, to not, to not be married, to have the extra time and, and, and things like that, to, to give, and, give their time and energy in, in a ministry in a different way. But for those that are married or are going to be married, uh, we're going to talk about the importance and the seriousness of that today. So, uh, talking about men, husbands, we are the the man of the house, and and we like that. We really like that term. We may not ever say that out loud, but we like it. It feels good. It kind of it kind of makes you want to I don't know blow your chest out a little bit. Kind of makes you want to spread your peacock feathers a little bit. We spread it out in all our, all our splendor and all our glory. In marriage, you know, ain't it, ain't it grand? Almost even easy. Just a continual source of blessings and joy and happiness and fun. <laughs> it's really best described by the story of the two men who were playing golf together. They were out playing golf, and of course there was a highway that went close to the, to the uh, golf course, and uh, one of the guys was getting ready to chip, as close to the green, he was getting ready to chip, and just as he was about to stroke his ball, a long funeral procession was driving down the road, and he stopped his stroke mid-swing. He turned toward the funeral procession, procession, can't say that word, got on his knees, took his hat off, bowed his head, and said a prayer, and the guy that was with him said, Wow, I've, I've never seen anything like that. That's, a, that's amazing. What, a, what an example of, of faith. What an example you showed me there. And the guy said, yeah, well, you, you know, it's the least I can do. We were married for 35 years. <laughs> Take you a second to catch up on that one. Okay, that's not really a, that's not really a good picture of, of what we're looking for, honestly. Uh, but we do want to be good husbands. We do. We want to be good husbands. We want to have a good marriage. I mean, if you watch that video, and even if you're not a crier, Tommy and I, we're going to cry at a video like that. But, but you may not be a crier, but even you felt a tear well up in your eye. We want a good marriage. We want a happy, productive home and family. The problem is, there's a problem. And it's as old as time itself. You know what happened. You've heard the story. You've, you've, you've read this event. God took man, placed him in the Garden of Eden, paradise. Two trees in the middle of the Garden of Eden. The tree of life, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God told the man, Adam, that he couldn't eat the fruit of that one tree, the knowledge of good and evil. Then God gave man, woman, 
He gave woman to man. From man, he took from man to make woman and gave it to man. And then along comes that pesky devil. As my, as my five-year-old self explained it to my parents, that devil said, go ahead, go ahead. You can eat the fruit from that tree. God surely didn't mean that you would die. He just, he just didn't want you to be like him. Go ahead. And Eve, the woman, eats. And then she gives it to man, Adam. And he eats. And then that's when the story, you know, pulls the Scooby-Doo. The row raggy. Sin has entered the world. The knowledge of good and evil has entered the world. The knowledge of vulnerability has entered the world. The knowledge of have and have not. Pain, suffering, sacrifice. It has now all entered the world. And what do they do? They hide from God. Because that's what we do when we sin. We feel shame. And we try and hide from God. We stop praying. We stop reading. We stop coming to church. We make excuses. We hide. And what does God say after this happens? He comes back to meet them in the garden. What does he say? He says, Eve, I can't believe you ate that fruit. You ruined the whole thing. What were you thinking? Is that what he said? No, it's not what he said. What did he say? He asked the man. He asked the man in Genesis 3, 9. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He called to the man, where are you? Where are the man? You're the man of the house, right? Where's the man of the house? We want to be the man of the house. We like that. All right? You know what that means? It means it's on us. It's our responsibility. All of it. All of it. It's all our responsibility. That's what it means to be the leader. It means you are held accountable for what happens. In any position of leadership, that's what it means. You've been given a responsibility that you are held accountable to. doesn't mean the fringe benefits of leadership like we like. It means you've got work to do. And in this case, an incredible work to do. What does Adam do? I think we've talked about it before. He makes an excuse. It's exactly what he does. He says, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, Lord. It wasn't me. It was actually your fault. Because that woman, you made me, she made me do it. You gave her to me, and she made me do it, so it's your fault. But I told you there's a problem in marriage. Here it comes. Genesis 3.16. To the woman he said... I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With, pay, with painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. There it is. It's, it's as old as human beings themselves. That's it right there. Now understand the second part of this verse. The second part of this verse is not part of the curse. It's not God saying... This is what he is going to do. It's not, he's not saying it is what is he, is, he is saying it is what is going to happen. He's not saying, I'm doing this to you. He's saying, this is what is going to happen. It's not, in other words, it's not prescriptive, okay? It's not something God is saying he is going to do or something that, that we must do. It's descriptive. 
key thing in the Old Testament, in the Bible in general, but especially in the Old Testament, understand when things are prescriptive and when they are descriptive. Some things are just describing things that happened, describing things as they are. They're not saying this is the way it ought to be or this is what you should do. It's just saying this is what happened or this is what will happen. This is not a prescriptive thing God is giving here. He's saying because of your sin, here's the result. He's not saying he wants this to happen. Of course he doesn't want this to happen. Okay? Because of sin, there will be hardship in relationship that shouldn't be there. The man is the leader, but the woman will want to be. End of discussion. That's the problem. Okay? Now, I know that kind of makes some of us start getting itchy and all that. Hang with me through the whole thing. I promise. Hang with me through the whole thing. The human reaction to this as a man, the human reaction to the problem, humanly, we have two things that we do. We let the woman lead. We, we are passive, in other words. And we know from a few weeks ago when we talked about masculinity in, gener- in general that pa- passivity is the enemy of God honoring masculinity. Or the opposite reaction is to be domineering, to dominate, which is unloving. And just as, if not more wrong, than being passive. We, we either recoil into the corner of passivity or we pounce as the dominator. That's the human reaction to the problem. But we feel a disruption in our integrity as a man, knowing something is wrong. We know we are called to lead, and it can feel overwhelming, and it can lead to feeling defeated, honestly. But herein lies the problem. This is the problem. Sin disrupted what God made to work. God made this to work. Sin disrupted it. That is the problem. So what are we to do? What are we to do? In one line, we are to love her to death. We are to love her to death. Now let's dig into where we've been the majority of this series. We've been in Ephesians 5. Today we're going to start in verse 21. Ephesians 5, verse 21. It says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourself to your to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Did you catch all that? Because that's a mouthful. That's a mouthful of living right there. Did you catch it? Marriage is to reflect the gospel relationship of Jesus, the groom, to his church, the bride. Marriage is to reflect the gospel relationship of Jesus, the groom, to his church, the bride. Now, that is some God-sized shoes to fill. It's also a purpose worth living for. And our role, husbands, as the leader of the marriage is to lead like Jesus, to love our wives as Christ loved the church. How much love is that? Ephesians 3, Paul gives us a little, a little taste of that. He says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know 
this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, that's a whole lot of love. How wide, deep, big is Christ's love? But how specifically has Christ loved the church? Three ways we're going to look at today. Three ways in this passage that we're looking at in Ephesians 5. Sacrificially, sanctifying, and satisfyingly. That's how Christ loves the church. Sacrificially, sanctifying, and satisfyingly. First is the end of verse 25 that we were looking at. The end of verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So are we, husbands, to do that for our wives. Gave himself up for her. Jesus gave it all for the church. And so are we to do the same thing for our wives. Loving like Christ is, is like uh, it states in 1 Corinthians 13.5. It teaches us that it seeketh not our own. I love sometimes the, the, the poetic language of the King James Version just puts it perfectly. It seeketh not her own. The love that God, of God and the love that we're supposed to display, it seeketh not her own. It's not self-seeking. Sacrificially loving your wife is to give up yourself for her. As, as Fout puts it in his commentary, he says just like this, the love me, this love means that one is eager to understand what, what the needs and interests of the other are and will do everything in his power to supply those needs and further those interests. It means not a practical, not only a practical concern for the welfare of the other, but a continual readiness to subordinate one's own pleasure and advantage for the benefit of the other. A continual readiness to subordinate one's own pleasure and advantage for the benefit of the other. That is how Christ sacrificially loves the church. It's, it's, it's not like the man that went to the Super Bowl. There was a man that went to the Super Bowl, had a seat empty beside him. man walks up to him and says, hey, is that seat empty? He goes, yeah, well, it's for my wife. But she passed away, so she couldn't come. And I asked all my friends, and all of them were taken up with other events, and they couldn't come. So I just left the seat empty. He said, man, that's, that's terrible. You know, your wife passed it, and your, your friends were too busy to come to the game. Without missing a beat, the guy goes, yeah, they're all at the funeral. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. There we go. Thank you. Good. We are to love her to death like Christ loves the church. Sacrificially, but also our love should be sanctifying. Love her to death, sacrificially, but also our love should be sanctifying. As it says in Ephesians, moving on, verse 26, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Sanctifying love, love that sets apart. Love that sets apart. Husbands, we sacrificially love our wives so that we can sanctify her in our marriage. To make 
our marriage and to make her holy and pure and set apart. Christ died for the church to present her holy and blameless before the Father. Our leading and loving should be a growing and continual love that leads our wives closer and closer to Jesus. Or set further and further apart from the ways of the world. Sacrificially love so that so there can be a sanctifying love. And God gives satisfying love as well. Jesus loves the church satisfyingly. Moving on in verse 28. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they free, feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. The husband and wife are one. One body physically, emotionally, and spiritually. What one does for the other, one also does for oneself. The husband builds up his wife, he builds up himself, she is part of him. The wife builds up her husband, he is part of her. Yeah, it's a profound mystery, like that scripture just said. Marriage is to reflect the gospel relationship of Jesus the groom to his bride, the church. A well-lived, biblically compliant, gospel-expressing marriage is one of God's chosen ways to witness His glory to the world. A well-lived, biblically compliant, gospel-expressing marriage is one of God's chosen ways to witness His glory to the world. And then, there's the biggest obstacle of all. See, sin's an obstacle, and the woman wanting to be the leader is an obstacle. But it's not the biggest obstacle. The biggest obstacle of all, you see, you may be tempted to say, all right, I got this. I mean, I'm going to sacrifice. And I'm going to sanctify. I'm going to satisfy her. Stand back, world, and watch. Here comes super husband. And you may even succeed at that for a while. For a while. But eventually, that in and of itself is going to be, is going to absolutely wear you out. You trying to do that on your own, by yourself, is absolutely going to wear you out trying to do that. Why? Because marriage is to reflect the gospel relationship of Jesus the groom to his church, his bride. It's good news. It's not grit your teeth and push through with self-reliance news. That's not what it is. And that's what we want to do as men. We hear, all right, I need to, be, I need to sacrifice. I need to, I'll make a list, and I'm just going to do that. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it. And man, you're going to wear yourself out. We husbands, here's the key, are also brides. We're part of the church. As a man, we are part of the church. We are to submit to Christ. That first verse that we read today, verse 21, says, Submit to one another out of reverence 
for Christ. The wife submits to the husband's leadership, and the husband submits by leading his wife sacrificially and with sanctification and satisfaction. All of this out of our reverence, our respect, our holy fear and admiration for Jesus. This isn't about your effort. It's about Jesus' power working through you. It isn't about your strength. It's about Jesus' power working through you. It isn't about your ability to sanctify. It's not about your ability to sanctify. We are but filthy rags. It's about Jesus' ability to sanctify. So yes, love her to death. Love her to death. Literally, until you or her dies. Literally love her to death. But figuratively, love her to death. Love her with all you have. And remember, marriage is to reflect the gospel relationship of Jesus the groom to his bride, the church. It is to reflect the gospel relationship of Jesus the groom to his bride, the church. It should be like this. Why does he lead like that? Jesus. Why, why does she submit to him like that? Jesus. Why did he give that up for her? Jesus. Why does she follow him with such understanding? Jesus. Why is he so careful to attend to her every need? Jesus. Why does she treat him and speak to him and about him with such respect? Jesus. Why doesn't, why doesn't he go out with us when we're away on business? I mean, she'll never know. Jesus. 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 Husbands, our love for our wives or our lack thereof screams as loud a witness for Jesus as anything we do. We can't hardly make up for it, and we can't hardly do better than it. The way we conduct ourselves as men in our God-given masculinity, as men in the community, as men in the workforce, as men in the homes for our children, and as men, as the husbands of our wives, the way we conduct ourselves as men, and especially as husbands, is such a loud witness that all the other stuff can't be heard by how our marriage expresses our love for Jesus. It's not about what we can do. It's about what God can do through us. It, you're not meant to have a great marriage without God. You're, you're not meant to. It, it's, it's, it's not possible because of sin. Make sure your marriage is screaming the right witness for God. Submit to Jesus. Lead your wife closer to God. Sacrifice for her. Sanctify her. And experience a satisfaction in relationship that is only humanly possible through the mighty mystery of the gospel of Jesus. So if you haven't ever submitted your life to Jesus, that would be the first step. <laughs> Hard to be the man God wants you to be if you haven't ever submitted to the first step of God calling you to Him. Submitting your life to Jesus, placing your faith in Him. 
Hard to be the husband you're supposed to be, the father you're supposed to be, the boss you're supposed to be, the employee you're supposed to be, the student you're supposed to be, the teacher you're supposed to be, all of those things. You can't be those things until you have first submitted your life to Jesus. I'm going to uh, pray for us here in just a minute, um, and then we will finish out with a video today, quick video um, on marriage, and just kind of uh, t- to take us out the door with that. If, uh, you, if you have anything you'd like to discuss, please feel free to hang around after that video, and we can discuss it, whether it be salvation or, you know, the other things, all the other things we discuss. Uh, I, won't, I won't make a list. Be opening open up a door I may not want to open. <laughs> but the thing I want you to think about when you're watching this video is if you are married or if you are going to get married, you plan to get married, this is what you want your marriage to look like at some point. I mean, every person deep down hopes that their marriage looks like this and that they get the opportunity to grow together for as long as these couples get to grow together and and what this looks like. So, if you want to be the husband that you really want to be deep down that you know you should be, you first have to be the bride of Christ and submit to Him. And then daily seek Him out and let Him live through you so that you can sacrifice in an eternal God-honoring way for your wife and you can sanctify her in an eternal God-honoring way and that so you can be satisfied in your relationship through God in a way that it doesn't work, doesn't come about with just our effort. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll finish up with this video. Please hang around if you have anything that you need to discuss. Lord, I I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you care for us. I thank you that you give us uh, the ways to live for you, God. I pray that we would just accept the way you have laid things out, that we wouldn't Uh, in our own pride and self-reliance, try to grit and bear our teeth and do it on our own, God. It's not designed to do it that way, that we would just submit to you daily being filled with your Spirit so that you can live through us, God. And uh, and through that, just experience life to the full. You, You told us that you came to give us life and give us life more abundantly, God. And I just pray that we would trust in that, that we would have faith in that, God. Also pray for our community today, Lord, uh, as there are so many things going on with the, uh, the virus and, and, and other things. God, I, I pray for us as Christians, as the church, as your bride, that we would submit to you and step up and do the things that you're leading and calling us to do in whatever situation it is you're putting before us, God, that we would have faith in your power and trust in who you are and your promises, Lord. And I pray it all in your name. And I pray if there's anyone here today listening or in person that has never submitted their life to you, never given their heart over to you, placed their faith in you for the death, burial, and resurrection, the payment of sin, God, and the gift of eternal life, I pray that today would be the day that they turn their life over to you, God. Thank you for that, and I pray for every man in this church that we would step up to be the men, the fathers, and the husbands that you've called us to be, God, and that you would do it all through us and get all the glory for it. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been married for 51 years. 
54 years. We're celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary this year. Friday the 13th turned out to be the luckiest day of my life. I think what I love the most about Bruce is he's very kind. She's a good cook. Serene. <laughs> She's a very compassionate person. She is truly the person I always wanted to be. I love <laughs> She is. She is the epitome of serenity. Oh, one surprise to me about marriage after all these years has been what a joy it is at this stage. I didn't know that it would be that wonderful again as it was, you know, before we had all these little screaming memes. Well, it's not easy. Well, and, the biggest and if problem, anybody thinks that you're going to be on your honeymoon for 51 years, it's ridiculous. Sometimes the tunnel's pretty long. Yeah, and dark. Well, it has been an enjoyable challenge <laughs> uh, because I've been introduced into a culture that I was just totally ignorant of. It was very hard for I know yeah. that. What but hurt I, so much? You. <laughs> I think I had to have been like in my 30s or early 40s. I just thought, this is it? This isn't, this isn't fun. It didn't matter to me that Jim wasn't a member of the church because I loved him very much. And I thought if I only live with him for this time only, then that was what I would be happy with. But a couple of years later when our children started to come along, I realized that was not true. That I wanted to be with my children and him forever. Really, the only reason it worked uh, in those early years is we both loved the Lord. And we taught our children to love the Lord. The secret to anything, I think, holding to the rod. If you hold to the rod and don't give up when things are hard, you, there's always a way through. President Hinckley always said it, that, that this will pass and that things will get better. And things always do get better. So you have to be patient and loving and see where it goes. Yeah. You're going to have ups and downs, and but it's worth it. You cannot change someone to fit the mold you want them to be. I just respect his space and he respect my space. Love, love him the where he is. Be sure to buy two tubes of toothpaste. Uh. Well, I will say you are the love of my life. And I'm so grateful that we have stuck it out this long and I see us together another gazillion or Google. Do you say Google now? She's my babe. And I love you. And I love the fact that I'm going to have you by my side forever. I love him so much. Love being with him. How could you not kiss? Yeah. <laughs>